G'day and welcome to On The Road with Mike and Andy, the number one weekly Australian podcast made for Aussie truckies by Aussie truckies. Proudly brought to you by Seeing Machines, the makers of Guardian, the most advanced safety technology available for commercial truck fleets. In the immortal words of the late great Ed Sullivan, we've got a really big show for you this week. Mike digs in deep with Brent Weinberg to deliver some facts and dispel some myths about the hot topic of in-cab fatigue and distraction monitoring systems. Everything you need to know right here in one great interview. A little later he chats with our special music guest this week, Aussie country music sensation Jane Denham. And later in the show has a yarn with well-known industry identity Lyndon Watson in something to talk about. It really is a monster episode this week. So let's get this show on the road with the great new single from our guest music artist, Jane Denham. Hey everybody, this is Jane Denham and you're listening to Mike and Andy on the road. Here is my latest single with Tony Justice, Long Distance Love. It's a rainy night in Georgia Heading out to California Counting days till I hold you again Well, it's cold in Colorado They're calling more snow for tomorrow <clears throat> All I hear is lonesome in the wind It ain't easy, love Someone who's always on the road But I take your heart with me Everywhere I go I just called to say I miss you Girl, you're always on my mind Here we are again tonight In this long-distance life Two hearts on There's a fire that burns between us And the miles will never keep us From fanning that old flame when we're apart And these 18 wheels are rolling Don't matter where It ain't easy loving someone who's always 
is on the road Girl, I take your heart with me Everywhere I go I just called to say I miss you Girl, you're always on my mind Here we are again tonight In this long-distance love With your heart G'day, this is Simon Smith here from the Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. Truck and radio is what we do across Australia 24-7. Loads of truck and classics every hour. If you'd like to drop us a line, love to hear from you at some stage. Our email address, bigrigradio at yahoo.com.au. Catch it down the road and take it steady out there. The Australian Big Rig Radio Roadshow.com. here on the road about nine o'clock on a Monday night, public holiday Monday night, and I am at Maroolan Roadhouse. I've ran up a bloke here in the big truckers' lounge. Hey, can I ask you about technology in the cab? How you go with the fatigue management technology? And what do you think about electronic logbooks and all that sort of stuff? Yeah, I think got a place and a time and a place for it. I don't know how the old boys are going to go and get me the technology. Me, myself, I'm happy the way the logbooks have happen. I think technology is another way to keep us under control a bit better. More for the bosses, really, not for us. So they got to keep an eye on us and make sure we're doing the right thing and all that kind of stuff for the hour, for the hour paper. No one's doing it, I can't fuck it up. Uh, right. So you're a company driver then? Yeah. What do you drive, mate? Removal truck. Removal truck. So you're about all over the place and you get to see a bit of the country? Yeah, all over the place and no, no, no jobs are saying, so it's good. <laughs> How long have you been driving for, mate? Eight, ten years. <laughs> Thanks for talking to us. Cheers, mate. Thank you. So I'm standing up at the pumps now at the uh, BP at Maroon and I've rounded up an owner driver and his lovely old road boss. Well, I thought it was Western Star, but it's got a road boss badge on the side of it. You don't see many of these around anymore, mate. What do you reckon about all this fatigue management stuff? Don't really have a positive opinion on it, put it that way. I've haven't never worked for anyone that's had cameras. I've had uh, GPS tracking and all of that hoo-ha. This trailer's GPS tracked, yeah. so I've still got to behave myself. But I'm um, not a fan of in-cab driver-facing cameras. I think they're a bit of a privacy breach if they record all the time, but a lot of blokes say different things about them. They only record certain times or after after braking incidents or something like that. But yep. I think if they're recording permanently, it's definitely a privacy issue. So when you turn the key off of went off, you'd be okay with that, just while you're driving? Well, while you're driving, yeah, I suppose. But even then, you know, you pick your nose and have a scratch and <laughs> it's going to weed out a lot of bad habits for sure. Thanks for sharing your opinion. No worries. She'd probably get along all right, this old girl too, wouldn't she? If you chose to. 100 speed limited. Good on you. No worries. Thanks, mate. Hey, everybody. Kermie here from Trucking with Kermie. I listen to On The Road podcast on the Australian Big Rigs Road Show. And when that's done, pop over to Trucking With Kermie on Facebook for my take on trucking and the people who make the industry what it is. Catch you over there, and in the meantime, take care of you.
Mike again. Andy and I are very happy to present to you today Brent Weinberg. Now, Brent is the Vice President of Global Sales and Marketing with Seeing Machines. Seeing Machines manufacture the Guardian, which is a state-of-the-art fatigue monitoring and distraction monitoring system. I've got one in my truck, and I'm fortunate enough through the journey that I've been on to learn a bit about this product. So, Brent, how are you, mate? Yeah, thanks, Mike. I appreciate getting us on the podcast. Tell us a little bit about yourself, what you've been doing at Seeing Machines, how long you've been there, and then we'll get into answering some of these questions that a lot of the drivers have got. I've been at Seeing Machines now for 10 years. I started here in 2010. I was packing some boxes in the warehouse. And, you know, over the 10 years journey that I've had here, I've done many things with this business. I've done some installation work out in the field, spent a long time on trucks, talking to drivers, talking to managers, traveled the world, sold in big cities, installed on small islands. And so I think hopefully that equips me with all the information to help debunk some of the myths that might be floating around this system and also provide some insights and some anecdotes that might help people who use it to operate it better and potentially other people to think about adopting it. That's great, mate. I don't know, you probably aren't aware that I was very, very anti this whole thing when I was told one was going to be put in my truck. I'd been fed all the myth and all the lies. Right. And I believed them. The boss was going to be able to sit there and gaze lovingly at me while I was driving down the road. And <laughs> I wasn't a happy camper. And I think from talking to people since this has started, one of the biggest problems that we've got is there's a lack of information out there. So drivers are not properly informed about what's going on. Mm. Some of the companies, I think, they're making a decision to do something to protect their drivers and they're not educating the drivers about it and then they're just going and rolling this thing out. One thing truck drivers don't like is change. If you want to upset a truck driver, you go and change something. Yeah. We're all fairly toey bunch when it comes to that. And of course, I'm sure that you've come across all these objections before, haven't you? Yeah, absolutely. Like I said, I've traveled around and spoken to a lot of people and sat next to truck drivers. And, you know, we've been on a journey ourselves. And change management is really the key message in there and educating people. Some of the bigger, more sophisticated companies who you think are really all over this change management piece have had those slip-ups in the past. And through all of the work that we've done and through all the deployments we've done, you know, even targeted here in Australia, we've really learned some lessons on how to provide that education. And we do. We have a lot of material that we can share. We have YouTube videos, interviews with drivers. We have driver's guides that have some FAQ that debunks some of these myths and manager's guides. We do everything we can to provide those to the fleets and the managers that implement this system to educate them to a point where they're able to then pass on that information to the drivers as well. So today we're going to get through a few of these questions. And the biggest objection that I've heard is that the camera pointing towards the driver is recording me all the time and therefore it's an invasion of my privacy. That's just not the case, is it? How much of this cab can it see? It's not recording a constant stream of information all the time, is it? Well, it's a camera in the simple sense of the word, but really we don't quite use it as a camera. We use it as a sensor. So although it's a camera, it's pointing at you and it's looking at information from the driver's face, not to get too sciencey on all of this, but the computer algorithms are really detecting a whole bunch of dots and things all over your face. And really, it's using those dots to look at whether you're fatigued or distracted. It's not actually interested in who you are, what you look like, and using it like a camera. It's really a sensor that's doing trigger-based assessments. So when I say trigger-based assessments, it's saying, well, discard any information if you're just looking at the road and driving and checking your gauges and operating with your eyes normally. But should your eyes close for a duration of time at a certain rate of closure, 
then it will trigger the system to alert. And that's when the video comes in and says, okay, I think there's something going on here. Capture a little bit of video. And that's when the system sends it through to our 24-7 Guardian Center. They review that footage and say, yes, it is fatigue. No, it isn't fatigue. And then they follow up on it. And that follow-up procedure is set between us and the company who's implementing it. And that might be that we give them a phone call. That might be that we send them an email. And then they might follow up on it from their side and say, well, we might radio the driver or we might ignore it because we'll wait for two or three in a row. And so there's a whole sort of process flow that occurs after that. But if you just keep your eyes on the road and you just do what you're doing, it's not recording you. If you fall asleep, it'll alert you and record you and send that super through. The idea is it's almost like your two-up driver in the truck. It's just giving you a pat on the back saying, hey, stay awake. I'm here for you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've got one in my truck, and I've had the situation where I've set the thing off by what it's called distracted acceptable driving. Mm. In my case, I've been looking at the right mirror, checking out what's going on down the side of the truck, and because I've had the stereo going flat out, as I do, I haven't heard the three little warning beeps that it gets before it gives you a buzz, and I've been looking interestedly at something on the side of the trailer for more than the four or five seconds it allows me to, then it gives me a whistle and gives the sheet a vibrate, and Mm. it was a big surprise the first time it did it to me. Mm. And of course, since then, I've had a conversation with our safety officer, and I've reviewed the video, so I've actually seen what it can see inside the cab. And I was very surprised by how little it can actually see. It's only from your shoulder tips to just above your head to just to your waist. It can't see in the bunk or anything like that. Yeah, it's just really interesting in being able to capture your eyes, your nose, your mouth, your face. And the field of view is just big enough that if you have a short driver or a tall driver and he has the seat in an upright or low position or forwards or backwards, that would kind of capture most of those scenarios. Yeah. And that's all it's really interested in seeing. As a business, we're not interested in seeing anything else. Otherwise, we'd just sell webcams. <laughs> Get away from all the sciencey stuff. Yeah. Basically, there's an algorithm in the system that detects points on your face, your eyes, your mouth, etc., mm. and references those to known fatigue positions yep. and sends an appropriate alert. That's it in a nutshell? Yeah, pretty much. It says, I think that's a fatigue based on the smarts on the system. Yeah. Sends a video through to our 24-7 team mm. and they have a look at it and say whether it is or isn't. Yeah. And that's more a subjective view on it. And if it is, they follow up on it. And just to put it into context, in Australia, there's about 9,300 of these systems installed. Yes. Globally, there's over 24,000 of them. And in August... Our 24-7 monitoring team across all those 24,000-odd systems reviewed 1,041,000 events, little bits of video. Wow. So they don't really have time to look at anything other than what they're supposed to do is say, was it fatigue? Wasn't it? Was it distraction? Wasn't it? So it's a huge volume of data that's coming through, and really that's what it's all about. It's just about alerting the driver in real time so he can potentially do something about it. And then on the back end, notifying a manager in real time so that if they want to, as an organization, follow up on it, they can as well. So it's event-driven. Yes. And the company, even though they own the truck and they own the system that's in there, they can't actually access the video remotely or the camera remotely at any time at all. They can see the videos based on the triggered events, but they can't remotely log into the camera and view it. There's no live feed into that system. And there's no audio feed either, is there? No, there's no audio feed. There's actually no microphone and there's no provision for a microphone in the system. No. If we were ever to put a microphone in, it would, once again, the same way in which we put a camera sensor in, 
it wouldn't be to record audio. It would be to, to do some other smarts with it, like listen for certain frequencies which you can't hear with the human ear, mm. but we don't have that right now. Now, sometimes you'll see the guy singing with his eyes shut and you're thinking, you know, <laughs> what is it? Is it Celine Dion or is it Barnsey? Probably a good job there's no audio because I reckon as a singer, I'm a pretty good truck driver. <laughs> One of the things I've heard guys mention about this is some guys getting eye strain. Now, I must admit when mine was first put in, I drive a conventional bonneted Kenworth and they mounted the thing up on the A-pillar and I found that the two little infrared lights, the, the one on the top, ended up being in my eye line and drew my eye to it. And we've changed it to on top of the dash and now it sort of moulds into the dash. You can't see it through the bonnet or anything. It just sits there and exists and I forget about it. Mm. Are there guidelines around where these things are fitted and how they're installed? Does it matter? I'm not sure which system you have in there, but there are essentially two main versions of the system. Yep. There's the old generation, which would have a camera and the two infrared pods as, as separate items, which might be up or down, and you place those separately. And then the new generation system, which is all in one, so it's a cylinder where the infrared pods are attached. And that's what's in mine. Another big change between those two systems is the frequency at which the IR is set to. So in the Gen 1 system, you would actually see a red glow from the system, the same way you would see it on your television. But on the Gen 2 system, it's a slightly different frequency of IR. And so during the daytime, you won't actually be able to see a red glow. And I think maybe at nighttime, you might see a very faint bit of redness out of there. Yeah, you do. That's what I see. Yeah. So in the daytime, I can't see anything. At nighttime, it's just a very low red glow. Mm. You know, there's two different parts to this, of course. There's the safety standards of the system itself. And, you know, when you use infrared, you design uh, systems according to a standard. Yeah. And it's IEC 62 something something standard. Yeah. You know, the use of infrared pods in equipment. And that's a global standard. And this thing complies to that standard. So that's one piece. And the more difficult thing to really assess is that discomfort standard, that doesn't come from the pods themselves. It's just about, say, the distraction of having a light or something that you can see that's new in your truck at a different place. The same way that when a car company creates the instrument cluster in a vehicle, the layouts of that cluster and the brightness of the lights impact the driver from a human factors perspective. So, yeah, that one's a more difficult one to say, well, where is the best that it's not going to distract the driver? And that might distract one driver more than another. Yeah. Placement of the unit within the cab is something that really should be dealt with and negotiated with the company and the driver for different circumstances. Obviously, 100% ideal is completely front and centre. That's going to be best performance, but that's going to be right in the middle of the road as the driver's looking forward. So generally, on the dash, you know, 20-odd degrees either side of the driver, yeah. and that's where the cameras can be located. That's going to deliver the best performance. You're always trading off that performance with accuracy as well. You want to make sure that it's accurate and it's only alerting when it should be alerting as much as possible. Yeah, I noticed that when mine was moved, it didn't go off nearly as often. So that is a function of the fact it's now more directly in front of me than it was before, is it? Yeah, potentially that. Potentially, if you've got the one with the separate IR pods, the relocation of those IR pods might, say, reduce glare or improve its ability to see through dark glasses. Multitude of factors could mean that you see better performance there. And, you know, a lot of companies who might have a driver who say, listen, this thing's going off all the time and I'm definitely not fatigued or distracted. Hmm. We can have a look at it. We can look at some of those events and we can say, okay, maybe move it a bit to the right over there or maybe change some settings or maybe reconfigure. 
And it's all about streamlining the system. And so a lot of businesses, when we implement the system, will pull a report after a month and say, okay, well, you're having this many events. And so we can fine tune the system a bit more. Like all technology, it's very configurable. Yeah. We put it in at the standard settings. And then after some time, we refine it. And the longer you use it, the more constructive feedback you give to strike that balance between capturing the events and not frustrating the driver. Yeah. I've got to tell you that the learning curve for me on this technology has been quite steep. As I said, came to the technology with the idea that there are so many other things in my truck in particular that monitor me and monitor what I do. Mm. I didn't feel that fatigue monitoring or distraction monitoring was something that I needed. I've done a few million Ks, incident-free and ticket-free. So I was surprised when the thing was put in that it pinged as often as it did. I discovered that I have a few nasty habits. But a bit of behavior modification on my part, and now the thing hardly goes off. Mike, maybe a quick question from me, just for my own personal insight. Do you think the fact that it's an aftermarket system that was obviously a conscious decision by a company to implement Mm. it, results in a different view of the driver than if you say bought a brand new truck that had this in so if i buy a brand new truck today that's got lane departure warnings and it will tell me when i'm out of my lane versus if i buy an aftermarket lane departure system is the perception different well it's not something i've thought about that may well be true Mm. i recently had a big run in one of the new mercedes actrosses it has a lane departure system in it and it has a fatigue warning system already built into it To be perfectly frank, I didn't realise that that system was built in there until it told me that I needed to have a break. Yeah. I wasn't aware that it was even there. And when it told me, I thought, "Mm, well, I have been going four and a half, five hours at the time, and I was feeling like I needed to pull up. Yeah. You may well be right. It's like everything, though. It's a culture-driven thing, isn't it? Absolutely. Change happens over time. Mm. You get the guys like me that have been around for a while and have managed to survive the rigours of our apprenticeship, done a few kilometres down the road, and we really don't think we need too much. Mm. It's the same with the automatic transmissions and electronic stability control and electronic brake systems and anti-lock brakes and all that sort of thing that I've seen come into trucks since I started. Mm. So I sort of look at, well, geez, mate, if you need an automatic transmission, perhaps you shouldn't be driving one. But now I've driven an automatic transmission, how much more relaxing it is and more pleasant it is to drive. Yeah. Maybe I'm getting lazy, I don't know, but the technology has changed a lot. I think some of the objections to the technology can be overcome with a little bit of education. Maybe it is the evolution of the modern trucks these days. I remember four or five years ago standing on the booth at the Brisbane Truck Show and a lot of the old drivers used to come through and say, you know, when I started driving back in the 70s, there's no way you needed this because you had to stand up and put your whole body behind the steering wheel to turn the corner. Yeah, There's no way you could fall asleep. Now with these modern trucks, which are automatic and almost drive itself, yeah. not to take anything away from the professional truck driver, but that's the way things are heading. So more so do you need a little camera looking at you going, well, we're just there to back you up in case it gets too easy. Well, as you've said, and, and as the chap from Ablett said in the video that I've seen on YouTube, it's just like having a mate in the cab, keeping an eye on you and just letting you know, maybe, mate, you need to take a break. Mm. Probably preventing some of those bad behaviours. I mean, we've all seen the TikTok truckies, they call themselves, videoing things with their mobile phones. None of us support any of that. And if a piece of distraction technology can sort that out, and I've got no issue with that. Yeah. We're not the only people that are under a little bit of video surveillance these days. That's right. There's cameras all over the place, and we're at work. So the important thing is that when you turn the key off, this thing goes off, doesn't it? Yeah, so it shuts down. As soon as you turn the engine on, it turns on. Turn the engine off, it, it turns off. 
These are amusing little anecdotes, Mm. but I've had it go off on me. I was sitting in a parking bay with no phone service and it couldn't obviously shake hands with the server that it does. And (laughs) I'm leaning on my hands and elbows and chin and the eyes closed. I'm leaning forward on the steering wheel. The truck's building up a little bit of air and warming up. Stupid o'clock in the morning when I started work and the thing went off and I nearly went through the roof. And it's interesting because, you know, the way the system has a GPS on it, but it's not a high-precision GPS. It's using the GPS to detect speed. So sometimes there's a lag. You've come to a slowdown and you've been stopped for 30 seconds and the GPS still thinks you're going 8 kilometres an hour, so it alerts you. We have a customer in the UK. They drive buses. And so we have a feature on the system that says, if there's no GPS and it can detect movement through the accelerometer, then assume that the system's on, so we'll alert anyway. Yeah. So these guys, they have that configuration in place. They drive a bus and they drive from the UK to France. And the bus parks on the train. Yeah. They leave the ignition on because it's full of passengers. They need all the AC running. And that half-hour trip on the train is the allotted rest time for the driver. Yeah. But the GPS and everything says, no, that vehicle's still moving, but the bus is not actually moving. It's the train that's moving. Yeah. We had some pretty frustrated drivers on that route, that's for sure. But we worked around it. We put a suppression zone around it and said, regardless of any configuration, don't solve events in this area. And they're happier now. I'm sure they are. So this thing is all over the world now. You're a global company. Yeah. You've got them in the States. I've seen one of the ads from the US and here in Australia, obviously Europe. Yeah, so it's about 9,300, like I said, here in Australia. There's about 24, closing in on 25,000 connected globally. Mm. New Zealand, obviously, have a lot over there. We have a bunch in Thailand and Southeast Asia and Singapore, Malaysia. Mm. Middle East, we have some. We have a big oil and gas project in Kazakhstan that's got seven 800 of these systems running. Wow. South America, Mexico, North America, UK. Wow, they're all over. Yeah. So this is about preventing incidents, saving lives. You claim to be able to capture up to 90% of fatigue events. I have spoken to various insurance guys, and they all tell me that the biggest killer of truck drivers is fatigue, even though it doesn't account for all the accidents. It's only about 10% of the accidents it accounts for, but it counts for the majority of the fatalities. Yeah. So we average about 35 fatalities a year in trucking that's actual drivers and occupants. Last year, we spiked to 53. Mm. The majority of those are fatigue-related accidents. And I believe we've had another 150 or so people lose their lives around us. I have one anecdotal case from a driver I know personally who claims that your machine saved his life. Mm. And he admitted that to me in confidence. I have no doubt believing him at all. So this is all about catching those events before they do an injury, do damage. You said you've had more than a million incidents. Is there any way to quantify how well we're doing? That million was a million events in August. Right. That's one month. That's one month. That's a million detected events from all of our systems around the world. Wow. So when you think about it, we're capturing, let's say, a million a month. Obviously, it's increasing as we add more systems every month. But of all those events that we captured, how many of those were fatigue events? We're capturing the first fatigue that you have and you're alerted and then you're suddenly aware of it. Now, we've run trials where we won't turn any of the alarms on. So you'll have no vibration, no audio, and we'll run it silent for a month. And we've seen drivers have 130, 140 microsleeps in a space of three, four hours. Wow. 
with the system app, we're alerting that first event, that second event, the third event, and the driver hears that event, feels that event and says, whoa, what happened? And then has a follow-up call from dispatch or management or their wife or husband as the recipient of that call. They can actually do something and mitigate it right now. So we can scientifically validate that prior to our system, the number of events that we catch of those little micro-sleeps that we've done it multiple times over to reduce them by over 90%. How many of those would have resulted in something catastrophic? Well, who knows? But it's more than one, isn't it? You'd have to imagine if we've eliminated millions of fatigue events that we've stopped at least one. Unbelievable, isn't it? Mm. It's a very serious and very tough subject, Matt. I think we've just about got it covered. Is there anything else that you wanted to add? Is there any pearl of wisdom that you've got that I haven't asked you about yet? No. Honestly, questions come through to us and we answer them and we're open, we're honest about the system. The system is designed with the interest of drivers in mind and saving lives. Yeah. I remember that same Brisbane truck show that we were at maybe five or six years ago when we just launched this product. We had a driver come around and he said to us, he goes, oh yeah, this is the system that toll puts in to sack their drivers. (laughs) And you know, straight away, we just said to him, the drivers are the lifeblood of the industry. Why would any company want to have an excuse to just sack them? The companies who put this in are safe fleets who want to get safer. We say that the people who need this most will be the last to implement it because they've got a whole bunch of cultural things that they need to get through before they look to technology to fix it. And that's what we're striving towards. I believe that the technology is saving multiple lives every day. We've had a lot of anecdotal stories the same way you have about people who've been very grateful for the system saving the life. And if you're a driver and you have an alert, yes, technology is not perfect. You might get frustrated with that at times and we can work through that to refine the configuration to not annoy you as much as possible. But at the end of the day, hopefully it does have an opportunity or doesn't have an opportunity to save your life as in you never get to the point where you actually need it to do that and we just keep adding more of these systems and just keep the road safer and take that number of fatalities of truck drivers and make it trend downwards yeah that's the most important thing Mm. so this thing is event driven it doesn't record you're talking to your girlfriend on the phone it can't see in the bunk it only alerts the company if there's a, a notifiable event. It only gives them a few seconds of video mm. and they can't watch you lovingly while you drive. And when you switch the motor off, the thing is off and you have your privacy. You're only being looked at while you're actually at work. That's exactly what it's designed to do. And that's what we hope it's achieving out there. I'll tell you what, Brent, seeing machines certainly were great to me when i was asking all these questions when i was ready to pull the pin on the best job i've ever had seen or heard about Mm. and that'll tell you how badly i was rattled by the thing when it was first decided to be rolled out in my truck i am glad that i went on the educational journey that i went on for two reasons the first reason is that people like you were able to help me and explain it to me in a way i could understand yeah. And the next thing is I had an employer who was prepared to let me go on that journey and find that out. People have said to me, oh, mate, you've got to be pretty upset that big rigs who you write for have published an opinion piece by someone which totally tries to destroy what you believe. Mm. And I say, no, I'm not upset with big rigs for publishing that. In fact, I am grateful that they have because it gives people like you and me an opportunity to have a chat and tell people all they need to do is pick the phone up or jump on the web and find out some factual information on which to base their decisions. That's right. There's a lot of people out there who've been in the circumstance that you're in and a lot of drivers who've been saved by this. And so rather than get caught up too much in creating conspiracy theories around it, 
there's a network of drivers out there who will tell you their positive experience with this. Of course. So it's been great to talk to you, Brent, and dispel a few of the myths around the Guardian. I'm so pleased that you've been able to get this information out there. I know that you're going to be more than happy to answer any questions that anyone may come to me with. They all know how to get hold of me. All my information is on the webpage www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. Yeah, no worries, Mike. Like you said, happy to answer any questions that anyone might have and charge five bucks for an autograph. <laughs> Only five. Jeez, man, I don't know. That's cheap. <laughs> Thanks for your time, mate. I do appreciate it. You keep safe out there and we'll see you when we're looking at you. No worries. Thanks, Mike. When it comes to road transport, safety is everything. Seeing Machines Guardian minimises the risk of fatigue and distraction for drivers and provides real-time monitoring centre analysis and appropriate intervention, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. Already trusted by more than 400 of the safest road transport businesses around the world, they've discovered how Seeing Machines Guardian is scientifically proven to reduce fatigue events by more than 90%. To find out more about how Seeing Machines Guardian can provide proven assistance in safeguarding your fleet, your valuable cargo and most importantly, your drivers, visit the website at www.seeingmachines.com or give them a call on 02-6103-4700 for more information. I am so excited. Jane Denham has agreed to join us. She has been around country music for ages. CMC reckons that she came into the industry and she's generated a reputation like a bush ranger. I'd love to know about that. She's had three Golden Guitar nominations. She's got a list of accolades within the industry a mile long. She's done just about everything in country music in Australia that you can do. She's been to the States and done some things over there. Latest piece of work is with Tony Justice, I believe. Jane, welcome to the show. How are you? Thank you so much, Mike. Wow, Bush Ranger. I've never <laughs> I've heard that one before. That's new. I'm impressed. <laughs> well, according to CMC, you're a Bush Ranger. So there you go. <laughs> That's great. They talk about the high energy shows, and I've been watching some of the videos. Gee, I'll tell you what, you get about the stage. <laughs> I know photographers are always saying you're hard to photograph. I'm sure you are. <laughs> I've seen some of the music videos at Rockin' with Ned's pretty cool. Where did that truck come from? Well, that was actually the most awarded show truck in Australia. And he was a fan of mine, the guy who owned it, mm. Andrew McSweeney from Scuzz Trans. And him and his wife used to come to the shows. And yeah, I knew his truck because it was really famous. Yep. And I, of course, I was always seeing at truck shows. So yeah, we became good friends. And then they said, you know, we'd like to work with you. And the next minute we're doing a video with the truck and so then we decided to go on tour together yeah and so at my shows the ned kelly truck would be out the front of the venue and then after the show we had people win a ride in the ned kelly truck and inside was just like nothing you've ever seen oh. it was pretty crazy for a show truck and so that's how it happened and that's how rocking with ned came about because we thought it'd be a fun way to start the show seeing the truck was going to be there every time so yeah that's how it all came out pretty cool video too you shot a bit of that yourself on a mobile phone i think did you 
Yeah, you know what? That was meant to be a lyric video mm. and that was all it was meant to be. And the next minute it's like everyone likes it better than my high-budget videos, so there you go. Mm, maybe there's <laughs> something in that for all of us. Yeah, but it's also in the Grew Up Round Trucks video. So that was the first one we did with that truck and then Scuzzy and I did that silly, crazy, fun one and everyone likes it. <laughs> now, Addicted to the Diesel, I've already said to you my favourite track of yours of all time. That's been around for a while, that one, hasn't it? Yeah, I think it's about eight years old now, but it's one of those songs that it doesn't seem to date and everyone still loves it and it's one of the most downloaded songs and stream songs out of my whole catalogue. So I think it's just one of those songs that resonates whether you like trucks or not and when I do it live, everyone just starts going crazy, so (laughs) it's great. But it's a fun song to even perform. Some songs you get sick of singing, to be honest, as an artist, but that song, every time I think, oh, here we go, this will get the crowd going. (laughs) 22 tons of steel on the back. I've done that for real, mate. (laughs) Love your work. And, of course, the latest thing you've done with Tony Justice over in the States, Long Distance Love. How'd that one happen? I've got a song called Hung Up On You and I was performing at the Great American Truck and Show and that was pretty much hot off the press and it was getting a lot of attention and so I said to Tony, do you want to come up and sing it with me as a surprise for the crowd at my show at the Great American Truck and Show? And he was like, yeah, sure, I'll come up. Anyway, we got on stage and we sang it and everyone just went, oh, my goodness, you guys singing together sounds amazing. You should do a song together. And he'd written that song and they had actually had the idea of doing it with me singing it from a girl's perspective sort of thing. So then we kind of kept talking and I knew it had been written, but we kind of never performed together. So you never quite know. And after that, his wife and myself and Tony, we all went, let's do it. And so I was meant to be flying over to the Mid-America Truck Show to perform this year, and I was meant to be doing the video and recording with him while I was there, March, and then COVID hit. So we've ended up, I recorded here, he recorded there, I did half my video here, he did his video over there, and it's actually turned out great. So we're we're pretty stoked that although, you know, this has stopped the project going in the way we, we planned, it's turned out really great. And yeah, we're really happy with it, and everyone's loving the song, so we're stoked. Yeah, well, I'd listened to it the other day and saw the video, and that I thought it was pretty good. Thank you. Yeah. Look, I, I just love your work. The one you did, White Lines. Black Coffee and White Lines, yeah. Yeah, and you did that with the girls from the Ice Road Truckers. You seem as though you've done a fair bit of work in America. You've been part of the women in trucking over there. That's a pretty big step for an Australian to get involved in something like that. Any plans of going over to the States, to be honest, but I got invited to come over, and so I went over and started doing some shows, and the Americans loved what I did. And mm. so I think I've been going over there for about four years now, and it's been great. It's an honor as an Australian to be invited to perform throughout America at all the truck shows and stuff like that. And then obviously, working with the Ice Road Truckers for that video clip was something I never dreamed. And we ended up going and filming in Alaska with the three from the Ice Road Truckers. Yeah. And Lisa Kelly is very famous in the Ice Road Truckers. But we were actually all friends. We've been friends for a couple of years, just meeting at truck shows. Yep. So when I decided to do a video for that song, I rang them up and said, do you want to be in it? And they were like, I'd love to. So we had a great time. I mean, the behind the scenes shows, all the craziness we had. <laughs> I'm sure there was a certain amount of craziness. Doesn't surprise me at all. If there's truck drivers involved, there's always craziness. <laughs> exactly. Truck drivers' craziness goes together. Exactly. <laughs> Jane, thank you so much for coming on the show. My pleasure, Mike. Thanks for your support. It's great. Catch up down the track, mate. All right. Thanks, Heaps. (laughs) 
more than 70 years, the name Pearlcraft has been synonymous with handmade pearl and marble finished steering wheels and gear shift knobs. Each and every Pearlcraft product is 100% handcrafted, keeping true to their motto of always work with pride, let quality be your guide. They can transform and enhance your current steering wheel or create a whole new wheel designed to suit your rig. Visit the Pearlcraft website at www.pearlcraft.com.au for more information about the complete range of Pearlcraft products and services. G'day, I'm Yogi from Outback Chuckers, and when I'm on the road, we're always on the road doing stuff out on the road, but when we're on the road, we're listening to the big rigs on the road. The Road News is brought to you by Big Rigs, Australia's national road transport newspaper. It's news time, folks. Well, it would be normally, but we're running short of time this week. So to make sure you don't miss out on all the latest transportation news, head over to bigrigs.com.au to keep up to date. For all the latest industry news, go to www.bigrigs.com.au. So, who is Lyndon Watson? I'm a family member of Don Watson Transport and Cold Stores. And I've done my time working as a yard rat and a truck washer and diesel mechanic, and then did some time out driving line haul and such. And since around about 2010, mm -hmm. I've moved back down to Victoria. And so now I look after the business side of the business. And so now we, uh, as a business, we're, we're running around about 100 line haul trucks up the road overnight. And we've got around another 30 or 40 trucks that are running around locally in Melbourne, Sydney and Brisbane and uh, in Wodonga. We're moving around, I think it's about 2 million kilos of food a day. Wow. Just to outline some of the equipment that you've got in your trucks, I know that you've got satellite tracking. Do you have cameras as well? We were quite early in that. And while we moved to the cameras as a way of helping us effectively in little things like insurance claims and such. Yeah. And there were a number of our contracts that were in that started to stipulate the idea of having at least two cameras, the forward-facing and in-cab cameras. Yep. We actually put them in as we rolled out the IAP system to get the extra mass limits. We have to run the Intelligent Access Program IAP units. Yep. And so that's where our trucks have a device in them that reports that when we want to go a heavier weight, we have to dial in what that weight is. And then the vehicle just constantly reports to the government about where it is so we can demonstrate that it's on a particular road that it's allowed to be on. Yeah. And it just so happened the system that we put in with that has a, um, a four-camera system. We started out with a camera facing forwards, one facing the driver, and a couple facing down each side of the vehicle. Well, that's a fairly standard setup these days, isn't it? Yeah, pretty much. And we went through its teething phases, like the first year or two, it had some issues just with reliability. Yeah. But these days, you can pretty much get on there and just verify that things working. Yeah. To download it, it takes a bit more time. And how did your drivers go with that? When they said, oh, we're going to put cameras on your trucks, what did they have to say? No, we were pretty lucky that we went through and attempted to educate them beforehand that it's particularly that in-cab camera. Mm. Most people that had an issue had an issue with that in-cab camera. Yeah. The first point is we were able to show them through the just a manual about how it shuts off as soon as the vehicle stops, the, that internal camera turns off. Yes. And secondly, 
we've got warehouses in most of the main states and they've had internal cameras in them for now, oh geez, 10 or 15 years. Yeah. And we use that cameras to track all the boxes through the cold stores. So it's not really to track the staff, but more to track pallets off and on, on um, docks. Yeah. And as we said to the drivers, it's everyone, it's in a workplace. We're all under video surveillance these days while we're in a workplace. We're not using it to police people. Yeah. It's there as a safety tool. And it just took a little bit of time to realise we weren't going to care if someone was lighting a cigarette or something that's quite benign. Honestly, I don't think we've ever actually finished anybody up on something that we've picked up on a camera. It's only ever been to demonstrate that when there's been an accident, they were actually looking at the road. Yeah. And they typically aren't at fault. Like, it really is there to protect them. Well, it tends to end the argument, really, when there's the video evidence that says, this is what really happened. And yep. that's one of the reasons why I support it. Certainly, the vehicle I drive has got cameras facing forward and down both sides. Yep. And I have my own personal dash cam in the truck as well. Yep simply because the company one doesn't record audio. Ah, so it's not allowed to. No, but for me, my personal one does record audio. Now, that is in my control, that one, obviously. Yep. And I consent to its use because I put it there. Yeah, well done. And for me, when I'm driving down the road and I see things that are starting to develop, and you know how you're driving down the road, you can predict what's going on. and, (laughs) And I will typically narrate to the camera what I'm seeing. I've done about uh, 10 years line haul out there and even, you know, many years driving locally. Hmm. And you can almost see it unfolding. I don't know how it happens, but, (laughs) you know, half a minute or a minute beforehand, you can usually pick out that car. Yep. (laughs) It's amazing. I don't know what they do, but somehow you can just pick them out that they're going to do something stupid. They have an aura. (laughs) They certainly (laughs) do. And it's amazing how often you're right. And the more you pay attention to it, the more obvious it becomes. We've actually moved in regards to those cameras mm. last year. So we actually rolled out the seeing eye technology now across 100% of the fleet. Right. And so that's an extra unit that's in the trucks now, which is, a, if you like, a piece of hardware that sits on top of the dash, yeah. just out of their um, line of sight. Yeah. And it just monitors their face and monitors forward. Mm. And it, it can interact with the buzzer on the seat and, and an audible alarm. Yeah. So if they're getting distracted, be it through a fatigue or just even looking away from the road for too long a period or on a phone or something, first alerts the driver. Yeah. And then I think they call it a notifiable alert when it's too drastic that they'll actually notify a um, base in Canberra and then they'll contact us and give us the footage about what's going on and, yeah. and just to make sure that we're aware that someone could be struggling. Yeah. Well, I understand why you do that. The countervailing argument that I've heard put about that particular piece of equipment, the seeing machine, is that we already run an electronic logbook. If you don't run an electronic logbook, you certainly run a paper log. And the argument's always been, well, if you abide by your logbook, you're not going to be fatigued. And so why do we need this? Without putting my point of view on that, I'd like to know what your point of view is on that. If you want to hear Lyndon's response to Mike's question, and I'm sure you do, make sure you tune into On the Road next week for part two of this great interview. Well, that's our show for this week, and it was proudly brought to you by Seeing Machines, the makers of Guardian, the most advanced safety technology available for commercial truck fleets. Hope you enjoyed the show. For more on-the-road news and additional features, visit our website at www.ontheroadpodcast.com.au. If you'd like to share your thoughts on the podcast, offer suggestions, or just let us know what's on your mind, send us an email to mike at ontheroadpodcast.com.au. 
Be sure to join us same time next week for the next episode of On The Road. In the meantime, play nicely with each other and most of all, stay safe out there. Bye for now. The team here at On The Road are great believers in the right to freedom of speech, and whilst we might not always be 100% in agreement with the views of guests and contributors, we firmly support their right to hold and express those opinions.